like we, we're we're gonna do a generosity feeds again or uh, event again this year yeah. yeah so excited for that more meals plug, yeah. yeah yeah more they're inevitably going to fail and have holes within them because they aren't fixated in the one true fixated truth that is jesus and who god is do that because we are first recipients of frankly a great a great injustice that was done to jesus yeah Hey everybody, welcome to the Gen Church Midweek Podcast, a podcast about everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family because of Jesus for generations to come. My name's John, I'm the engagement pastor, and sitting across from me is Kyle Davies, our lead pastor. You know what it is, let's do this. Like, yeah man, you got your flat bill on and everything. We're ready to rock and roll. ready to go. I already downed all my black rocks, so it's alright, it's a little sad. But okay. We got a little more materials on the table this week. I know man, I- you... I lessened my side of the table, and you just filled it right back up. We want these conversations to be spirit-led, so it's like I always got to have my resources available just yeah. in case. What it's you're like, processing through, what you're taking. Yeah, because yeah. this is truly a conversation that we want as we go through some of these questions. You know, we, we talk about this beforehand, kind of what we what we want to talk about. I mentioned in the Sunday teaching, Yeah, try to, try to tee it all up, but even in the moment, it's we're trying to be in tune to what God is saying to us in the moment that we think it's helpful uh, for our listeners and those who are watching to hear. Yeah. So let's jump in, man. We finished off a kind of a little section in Colossians, Colossians three, we went through what 22 through chapter four, verse one. I'm not really sure why they decided to start the chapter at the end of a thought. They didn't even let the thought end before they started the next chapter. And it's, it's all right, but this is why you read it for what it is. Don't stop at certain verses yes. and chapters. And so we finished this section on Christian households. So Kyle, as we we're going through this, there was a a word in there that I think uh, we definitely need to spend a little bit of time in because of the connotation, the meaning that it can often bring about in our current culture. So Kyle, let's just jump right into it. How would you define biblical slavery? Okay, so, and I, I don't even know if biblical slavery is is the right word, or what I will what yeah. I will say is the slavery that is experienced within the Bible when within it's discussed yeah, in scripture. Yeah, when it's yeah. discussed in scripture is is it's it's a bond servant, it's servant, it's servanthood in the sense of in the structure of a household, slaves were part of the household. At yeah. the top of the household was the male, was the patriarch, and it basically everything revolved around his power yeah. and authority so slaves were were a part of that they were under his authority and power and in some cases had more rights uh, than than some of the the, the patriarchs own yeah. own kids they had more authority they sometimes were even in thought as more but but basically their life was no longer their own yeah. It's it's they've agreed to whatever freedom they had, whatever liberty they had was now placed under the authority yeah. and direction of of the master of the patriarch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that was done willingly. Yeah. Sometimes after war that was done unwillingly. Yeah. Um, but again, the slave was viewed as part of the household and a, a lot of wealthy um in people in the Greco-Roman times, yeah. their their slaves were actually um, very very educated yeah. and taught the ch- children 
So, so they were basically like in-home tutors and by every classification, these individuals weren't employees. They had, they, they were not allowed to essentially leave. They they would have had to purchase their freedom for a price for cost. So, so again, that they weren't just, Hey, I quit. I'm out. Yeah. There, there was a, it was, it was a contract. There, there, there was legality yeah. there. It was, is, it was a financial arrangement, and it was also a social arrangement. Yeah. There was, there was a class system in place that yeah. basically said you have free people, and then, and then you have slaves, and then, and then you've got those who are poor and you know living yeah. on the street. And so, so, so again, just, just different class systems in the Roman world. So, this is distinctly different. From usually what in the West that yeah. we think about in terms of when we hear about slavery, yeah. we think of the subjugation of African Americans, a whole race to servanthood with no, with no financial yeah. benefits. That then again they were they were freed um, through the Emancipation Proclamation with yeah. Abraham Lincoln, you know, and in, in the Thirteenth Amendment and subsequent amendments after that granted them different rights and privileges. And yeah. so that that is different than the than the slaves in that Greco-Roman world. And in fact, slavery was so vital to um, to the culture that about a third of people were slaves again, some willingly, yeah. some unwillingly. But as is the course always with slavery, it's for some social, or economic relationships, it bene- it bene- it's for the benefit of um, someone, and it's usually not the individual yeah. who themselves are a slave, but sometimes for them being a slave was better than being poor and living yeah. on the street and having no roof over your head. So yeah. I'll be slavery and have health, shelter, food, and clothing and be, be provided for. Yeah, I mean, I even think back to some of the uh, the characters of our Old Testament that we often we kind of look to, but we sometimes forget that they willingly and some of them unwillingly entered into a form of servanthood yeah. bonds. Like I think of oh, what's his face, uh, Jacob, yeah, who willingly entered into this contract agreement uh, because he wanted to marry. Was it Laban? He wanted to yeah. marry his daughter Rachel. Yeah. So for seven years he served under his family to basically earn the right or to and their time to basically have that marriage set up and yep. arranged in that sense. Yep. I think of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, and when he's in the midst of this slavery, he got so high up in the household that he was he was like the right-hand man. He was overseeing yes. the other servants, the slaves of the household. He was functioning as the right-hand man yes. in that household. And so that's even different than how we often view slavery as a, I'm going to force you to do this role. You get no benefits or anything of that nature. Sometimes it's a willing thing, or even uh, they get some form of power in that system. Mm-hmm. So Kyle, like how, what is Paul addressing here in bringing up this concept and really talking about um, slaves and masters? What we see and what we actually learn about the church in Colossae is that there's actually been a runaway slave, Onesimus, and in part, and he's listed here at the end, and I teed that up because even as we talk about some of these passages, it can see like, okay, Paul, there's a lot of shoulds and oughts, and we've stressed let yeah. flows first out of a right relationship with Jesus and then into some of these practical applications. Well, even as we look at practical applications, sometimes we say, oh, yeah, that's what you should or ought to do. 
but then but then when you throw actually other people into the mix when you have the actual relationship with another mm-hmm. it, it adds a whole nother dynamic and so what we see the reason why paul is bringing this up is it's almost like he's he's setting the table to tell uh philemon philemon however you want to say it <laughs> to receive onesimus back and not like punish him which would have been every requirement or, or every every right for him to do but say listen he ran away treat him like a brother in christ first and then essentially as as a slave second which as we see in philemon mm-hmm. paul is writing to to him and say listen accept accept him and back remember remember who jesus is and how he has shaped you therefore act accordingly and that plays itself out in these relationships and as yeah. as is famous at the end of paul's letters is he includes who's delivering the letter what are some of the other people who are facing issues who might be hearing this he calls people out by name and say listen when i bring this up this applies directly to to you in this relationship. So it's not a practical application that's devoid of relational uh, application or consequences. And so that's what this is really set up. And again, this structure of the household was different. It's larger. And a lot of cases today, our households um, are smaller. In some cases, we have multiple generations living under the same household. And some of these situations we can see we can see some parallels but for the most case that's not a one for one parallel and even as i brought up in sunday's teaching it's not a one for one parallel when we talk about um employer employee relationships it's not a it, it there are some transferable principles but in in again it's not a it's not an exact one for one and it's yeah. not quite fair to make that comparison i think there are other passages of scripture that make a better case for, uh, you know, employer employee relationships. In this case, the conduct of those who are simply living within the sphere of a household should, should do chores, should, should live in such a way that their effort is put forward. That points to the ultimate master. That being, that being Jesus. Yeah. I I think one of the big things in which we see here in talking about the household, the, the husband, the wife, the parent, the children, the master, the slave, really it feels like at the core of this, Paul is just trying to dismantle the household structure of the first century people that Mm. they had, uh, where it's really divide the lines, here's the authority, the power, the power structure, the shame, honor, guilt, whatever uh, worldview in which they were living under, like he's completely shifting that and at the core of it, it sounds like what he's trying to get out of this is look at people and the light of they are they are made in the image of God. Love them as God has loved you. And ha- it's not to have this full structure, this hierarchy, but even to bring people to a platform and say, we're all made in the image of God. And so that shouldn't allow you to really have some of this unfair, unjust, um, kind of connotation and structure of the household. So what do we begin to see with this worldview shift in which Mm -hmm. Paul seems to be doing here with the household? I think it's really important for us to understand as we talk about that worldview shift is to understand the dominant worldviews Mm -hmm. just in, in our world today. And 
understand what a worldview is. And a worldview is a lens through which you essentially live life. And if, if we're honest, I could get really into, uh, and we actually think before on some older podcasts, I, we looked at the five major questions that you have to answer to make up a worldview. But where we're going with this is understanding that this Greco-Roman culture in the dismantling, not so much in the household, but rightly positioning people in relationships to reflect who Jesus is within those relationships. It's not to perpetuate a system of power and fear. And so the three main worldview kind of philosophies, and I don't even know if that's quite the right term, but it's you have power, fear, you have guilt, innocence, and you have shame, honor. Traditionally, uh, in the West, we have lived under a guilt or innocence mm. framework. Is you're, you're, you're either you're guilty or you're innocent. You're clean or you're unclean. It's yeah. black or it's white. It's it's in in terms of morals. Yeah. It, 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 we, we've eliminated a level of there's no gray area. Yeah, it's yeah, right it, yeah. It's yes right or, no. or wrong. Yes or no. Mm. So so that's that guilt innocence piece. Then you have the shame honor, which in comparison to a, to a guilt innocence is maybe to earn honor in your family, you will actually do something that's immoral because it, because it brings more prestige to your family. And so the goal is to not do something that is shameful for your family and um, actually to bring honor, to be seen as someone who's got a level of prestige, who's, who's on the, a phrase that we see now is the being on the right side of history. Yeah. Be, be someone who's, who's honorable. Um, and so that's actually, we're actually seeing an increase in our culture today. And one of the ways that which that is manifested isn't something we call cancel culture. Mm. Um, so, so if you are someone who, who's not honorable or by societies, the way in which they deem what is honorable. Yeah. Then, then we'll cancel you. We'll, we'll shame you. We'll, we'll lob things at you to attempt you to change your position, mm. uh, to change your opinion, or to change your per- perspective. And so, so you lob shame at people to try to. Okay. So, so that, so that's where that to get the required like the action or decision that you want to see made. You will um, cast the shame across them to bring them to your side. Yes, yes, and and so so it's so so you shame. Or, or you're honorable, and the again, the person who's in the honorable position is quote unquote in, in the right, and you should aspire to mm. to, to where they're at. And so, um, I think I think we, we need to get to, to this here in a minute is to, to to understand that the idea of 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 guilt innocence, the idea of shame honor, and even that last one this this power fear which tends to be in more spiritually based culture. And I, I even see some of this at work today. It's where um, it's, you have the power, which means you can enact your will. And if people don't listen to your will, they, uh, they will fear the consequences. Mm. So you have, you have basically an ability to, to make their life for lack of a better phrase, living hell. If they don't acquiesce to the to the power to the power that you hold, and yeah. so people, for fear of uh, the people who are in power and what they might do to them, mm-hmm. whether it's spiritualistic forces or or a person in a, in an authority, they just stay in a place of uh, subjugation. Could you almost 
bring that to like a business front aspect of it. You have a boss and you have an employee and the boss has the power and says, I need this done. And if I decide not to do it or don't act upon the way in which they want me to act, there is that fear of the consequences. I might get fired. I might not get a good reference if I go somewhere else. That fear of what could happen if I don't follow what they have asked of me or commanded yes. of me. Yes, that, that's, that, that's right. And so you have these all all at play. And if you notice the beautiful thing about the gospel and, and who Jesus is and what he's done for us is he, he has given us a power through the power of his Holy spirit. Yeah. Like the other people don't hold the ultimate power and sway over us. He has, he has cleansed us. You know, he has, he has paid the penalty for our guilt and he, he has erased the shame and restored us to a place of honor yeah. with God. And so we see how, because of Jesus really changes and, and speaks to each of these mm. worldview perspectives. And again, we live in a hodgepodge of that today, and we feel the effects of that, even in this cultural moment, as we look at this passage, and I talk about class and socioeconomics, yeah. on a very practical level, we all fall into a demographic and a socioeconomic class. So when we talk about who has the ultimate power, what we see is that that in the midst of whatever situation we find ourselves in, yeah. through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have been empowered to simply live and point others towards Christ, even if we can't change our circumstances. Yeah. And so that's that's honestly, even as we look at the slaves masters things, that's why Paul doesn't tell, you know, the slaves, oh, rebel against your masters, slavery is wrong and that stuff. I think that case it, can be made and is made well in other passages of scripture. What he's saying in this moment, as he's addressing this church, the structure of the household, where you find yourself in, serve Jesus first. Yeah. As you serve Jesus, you will have a different character and a different set of priorities that then enacts change yeah. within your own household. And that then enacts change when multiple households reflect this, yeah. you'll actually see a wider change in society. Yeah. First, um, that your household is to be a reflection of who Jesus is, the love in which he has. And I think it's interesting when you actually go back and you look at Jesus, like if anyone had the right and the ability to abuse and use the power, the innocence, the honor, like it, it's Jesus. He had like he could have done that. And yet he didn't. Yes. Often we see him take the form of a servant to yes. love and care and to even take some of the like to go to the lower a social economic class to go to the Samaritan, like to willingly put himself in those situations yes. to break down uh, that structure, that hierarchy, the, the borders in which are set up to bring the love to all people, understanding that we are all made in the image of God. Yeah. And you can already kind of feel some of that tension mm -hmm. as that, it, that it's, that it's pushing, especially as we look at, Again, our cultural moment, as, as we look at our world today, what this forces us to is evaluate the way in which we interact with those in our own home, those in our community, and those within the, the, the world. So again, yeah. in the first century world, they didn't have technology that, that we had now um, and some things like that. So, so technology enables things to be more accessible and more prevalent. And, and so even with that, what that means is that we have a level of responsibility to the way in which we communicate and work and simply live, understand that 
that our reward is first eternal second it may be it may manifest itself in in the temporal yeah while that's said paul's emphasis is live as the type of human you'll become well if we're all equal before jesus and we all we all stand with him in eternity and there's no hierarchy in eternity with him we should seek to make that manifest in our world today and often this gets presented as a call for justice and justice that word isn't something that is primarily social it's not something that actually the culture the culture doesn't own that word justice flows out of who god is and what he is like okay so i you bring up this concept of justice and i think that's a good thing for us to kind of talk about because what we see here is uh in what paul is writing about is almost divisiveness Mm -hmm. uh, false teaching in there i mean we even look around our world uh as soon as we think our world can't become more separated or more divisive like it just continues to grow and uh it's further pushing one side or the other and things begin to continue to push further and further away so what kind of like in discussing about justice, how would you kind of differentiate uh, biblical justice and even the different forms of justice we see today? So yeah. things like social justice and what uh, gets thrown around in yeah. our culture. Yeah. Let me just be, just be very direct in this. I don't like making this distinction between biblical justice and social justice, but I, th- and while, while I don't like that, I, I think it's most helpful for our cultural moment to rightly understand just that root word, justice. Yeah. Because that's ultimately what we're after, is, is we're after justice and a right understanding of justice. And biblical justice roots justice and who God is. The moral anchor is the nature of God, is his rightness, is his holiness, his purity it's his love and so so that is that is biblical justice and so something is unjust when it's contrary to the nature of god so so that's what injustice is is in contrast to biblical justice what's most popular more popular is this this clamor for for social justice and what social justice is often kind of described as is is it's rooted in society's moral nature so whatever society says this is moral well then we should ascend we should pursue socially just things so the moral anchor for social justice is is whatever society deems is right or wrong we're made up of fallible human beings like we we, we talk about yeah. our sinfulness we're, we're going to miss the mark so when we when we root justice in the social norms of the day ju- justice will be ever changing yeah when we come back to biblical justice and what i think ultimately just true justice is when you think of when you think of Shalom. That, that's another biblical word for, for peace. And what that means is there's a wholeness or wellness 
to to not just only the the, the individual human, but but the collective humanity, the the group. There, there's a wholeness and a wellness that's achieved for each of of them. You, it's yeah. the the good of each individual and some, and the good of the and the collective good. Yeah. That that is when that's rooted in who God is, and we seek to aspire to that. That that's what that's what biblical justice, which means society to society, it doesn't matter what the moral norms are. Justice won't change when we're rooted in what we're rooted in yeah. biblical justice. Yeah, there are there's a fixed moral justice in who God is because he he is never changing. He has set the precedent. This is what is good, yeah. honorable, and right. And we have seen him be consistent of love and everyone is equal, made in the image of God. And what we see in our world, I mean, you go back years and years, and there is a constant change of laws and rules and regulations in the moral code. And so you see things like, I mean, we even talked about this idea of slavery, and there was a time in which there were laws present saying, hey, this is immoral and wrong. And you later you get a form of a movement that sets that precedent that, this, yeah, this is morally wrong, but there is a time and precedent because our society is ever changing and so it's identifying that that there are moral truths that we will see in our world that actually point in our truth in who god is yes. but when uh, we are reliant upon the rules and regulations of our world uh the things that people set forth they are going to they're inevitably going to fail and have holes within them because they aren't fixated in the one true fixated truth that is jesus and who god is and when we point people to who god is what we will see is that it doesn't perfectly align with some of the systems and practices that we find in in the u.s yeah if we have looked at like this this passage and even even in the household as we've looked through through colossians and we see that jesus is is supreme and he is he is the substance and that means that all human life is is valuable, and it shows up in a refusal to slander, or like you know, a refusal to to covet your neighbor, to 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 be sexually promiscuous, um, but also to put on them love and forgiveness. Again, you, you we're thinking a wholeness picture, so it's not just cast yeah. off, but but put on. That will rub up against some of the social categories that are present in our world today. And in fact, it will rub up against usually almost, and I would say not usually, it does rub up against all social categories in some way, and it challenges them to a, to a bigger and higher vision. And so what we have to be, what we have to be aware of is aware of our influences that are attempting to lead us away to a lesser vision and version of 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 justice yeah and so what that what that means is specifically as we think about some of this the, the slaves and masters and the socioeconomic relationships what paul is calling to is value others and care for their goods for their good and for their and for their needs to meet their needs so that's going to challenge us to value life and value value all life and sometimes that gets legislated out. Sometimes it's it means that you're not able to legislate certain things, but you 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 relationally ensure that ensure that it happens 
in a certain way. So when so when someone needs food, like we we're we're gonna do a generosity feeds again or yeah. uh, event again this yeah, year. Yeah. yeah, so excited for that. More meals. Plug. Yeah. yeah, yeah. More more plug for generosity feeds. But but we're gonna do that. And the reason we do that is because we're working for holistic justice. There, in the fall, like, and usually every spring, it's it's we collect uh, change for Options 360 because we we're trying to care about all life. But it also means when we when we think about our current moment, is that we can stand in solidarity with our uh, black brothers and sisters, and not just black brothers and sisters. We we can listen and learn from Asian brothers and sisters. We can learn from Latino brothers and sisters and listen to their stories. So that we can rightly understand what does it mean to help help things be just yeah. in their life, and again, the justice is is peace, wholeness, wellness, shalom, ultimate goodness. So it's this this total picture, because we don't want them to experience anything less than what God has designed or wants for them in this world, because that's the picture of what we're going to experience in. Uh, in eternity and we do that because we are first recipients of frankly a great a great injustice that was done to jesus yeah i I like how you frame that up and even thinking about this uh, passage and what we talked about this weekend of master and slave and understanding that like we have the greatest structure and image of what that is to look like of how god is our ultimate master uh, there are moments where we talked about we are a slave and servant to him and how he is a right and just master authority in our lives because he never calls us to do wrong. Yeah. He only calls for justice, for love, for perfection of understanding that all are made in his image yeah. and that we don't abuse that. We don't take advantage of that. We begin to listen and identify injustice and to point to who Jesus is, yeah. point to his truth, his love and grace. And that gets reflected in how we speak how we act and how yeah. we even listen. And I think one of the big mm. big things of our culture right now is we're throwing around this term listen and dialogue. But when it is done right, it isn't I'm going to sit here and listen um, just to ref- fall back into uh, my view. I'm just going to sit here and listen for you to speak. It's a form of active listening, not in the exact opposite that I'll, I have to listen and take up your view. No, it's I'm going to bring about Uh, how I understand things, you share with me how you understand. We begin to uh, filter through that and see what's the disconnect. Where do we see God's truth in the midst of this? We lay our views and opinions on the table, and it's not me against you. It's us identifying what our understanding, the uh, philosophies and everything of the world, and we bring God into this. And we say, God, like, help us find your truth. Allow us to go to your word and see how you love, how you share, how you want us to act with this situation, what we need to understand, what we need to hear, and how we need to act. And I think that will radically shape how we uh, view and understand justice, how we live that out, how we begin to process through this household structure that for their time just got completely flipped on its head. And see, Jesus is a person that so many of them viewed was going to come in and have the power and authority and become the ruler of everybody and have this kingdom on earth in a physical manifest way of him sitting on a throne kind of thing here on earth, tangibly, physically. But what you see is you see Jesus who 
uh, multiple times, he washes his disciples' feet. Yeah. He took the form of a servant. He rode in on a donkey. He goes through the cross to be nailed and to die for us. Yes. And that is that is just crazy, and it it is countercultural because it tells us that we give up ourselves for the sake of others because yeah. they are made in the image of God, and I'm going to love and pursue justice and righteousness for them yeah. because God loves them, God has loved me, and I want to share that love with them. Yeah. If Jesus is is our model, and that's who we're trying to follow, and and again, Scripture says you, we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. We want to become Christ-like. It means when we are insulted, uh, we respond in love. When 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 people respond with hate, uh, we we turn the other cheek. It, it means when we when we have enemies, we we pray f- we pray for them. Um, and I think where that where that plays itself out practically is we filter again through the lens of Jesus first, and it's v- the because of the secular nature of our culture, p- politics typically are the first lens by which we filter everything through, and so we try to we try to make things align with our political ideology rather than allow again, our followership of Jesus to actually move and change us. And so on yeah. some instances, we're going to, we're going to feel right in, 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 a, in a political arena and some we're going to feel a little left and, and yeah. some, and so, so, so what, what's going to happen is the gospel is all about repentance and, and a willingness to say, God change me because I don't have the answers. And I believe you do, which yeah. necessitates a turn from the way my way of thinking and move towards a new way of not just thinking, yeah. living, loving, believing, action. So, so there's a necessitates change. So when we are doing that with Jesus, we then go to your point in conversation, in dialogue yes. with others. It is okay for us to change our opinions and thoughts. Yeah. It is not wrong or hypocritical to say, I was there. But because of conversation, ultimately the conversation that is attempting that again we, we're assuming at this point there, there's Jesus in the conversation. Yes. We're, we're not saying that you have to acquiesce or agree to something that is going the opposite direction of Jesus. Yeah. Well, again, we're in this conversation. We're saying when, when God's brought into and you're you're moving towards more of His holiness and His justice. That's exactly right. Is there, there's gonna there's gonna be a level of change and a go go yeah. I, w- I was here on this position or on this issue, but I have changed not because of social pressure, yeah. but because of the Holy Spirit transforming my my heart. Yeah. And so, again, the Holy Spirit works through other people. It works through God's Word. Yeah. We can learn and grow t- grow together, and that's the beautiful picture of the church. Yeah. And that's why at Generation Church, we, we say we're everyday people yeah. committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. And we have diverse backgrounds and views. And at the end of the day, when we listen to each other's stories yeah. and then revisit the story of Scripture, yes. and that is the dominant story in both of our lives. And so then as we yes. converse about our own individual stories, we we will see movement and change that shows up in the public square. Yeah. It shows up in the way in which we treat and the way in which we talk about others. And 
at the end of the day, what it will and which really allow us to do is I think separate ideas and ideologies from from the from the person. So often we can critique ide ideas and ideologies, and and we make it synonymous with a person. And so, and so be, when we try to critique an idea or something we disagree with, or we're, we're trying to evaluate that, sometimes it shows up and we're attacking the other person and, and we use malicious language and we think of them less. And the, and the goal is not to think of them less, but to remember they're made in the image of God. They're worthy of love and respect. And so to separate some of that out and say, Let's talk about an idea. Let's talk about some of these practices. Let's talk about some of the solutions that we want to talk about in our yeah. world today. But ultimately, the person practically sitting in front of me, when they need help, I'm going to make sure I'm there to bring wellness and goodness and supportance with who God is and the way in which Jesus has shown through the Word. It's really putting your identity in Jesus and who he has called us to be in, not in anything of this world, our, our viewpoint, our philosophy, someone else's ideology that we hold to. It's rooting that in Jesus and understanding that your story matters because Jesus is reshaping that. And he's going to use it for his kingdom, and we want to see that in all people. So, Kyle, as we've kind of um, worked through this uh, structure of the household, of talking about justice, slave, master, all this type of stuff. What what resources really helped you in uh, kind of helping you shape your understanding of this and what you would even recommend to others? Yeah, a couple of resources that I will re recommend, especially in times like this. Tim Keller has been writing about this, a lot of the stuff we see in yeah. society, way before uh, – like it was popular to talk about, yeah. um, but it's, it's all rooted in who God is. And so generous justice by, by Tim Keller, it's, it's, he does a great job at explaining how God's generosity mm. um, makes us just the actually the subtitle, how God's grace makes us just there. <laughs> you go. So that's, that's a helpful resource. Um, another one by Tim Keller, the gospel and life, how grace changes everything. And he works through all facets and aspects of life. This has been, extremely uh, helpful for me mm. uh, a book of the bible that i constantly revisit that challenges me is genesis uh i just those early stories john you, you talked about just jacob and layman and stuff and just man, man some of the things that again not that we idolize some of these biblical characters yeah. but, but really go to understand of like god's at work in the midst of this situation and so they were they were leaning on him and yeah. and sometimes for better or worse using what was available in the culture to uh, to sometimes good decisions and sometimes <laughs> uh, sometimes poor decisions sometimes yeah. uh, good ethical actions that we would deem ethical and some uh, yeah. that were just unethical and, and immoral and a uh, last book um, shame and grace uh, by Lewis Smedes fabulous fabulous read i don't even have my jacket uh cover on here uh, but it, i love to revisit this um and it talks about how how shame plays a role into our stories and how how that how that causes us to usually act out in yep. certain ways and even and even some ways put erect barriers mm. um so that we don't experience that again 
And so that's that's a helpful book to become more self-aware and about the pressures uh, on your life so that you are aware of the, the groups and the ideologies that you are both a part of uh, that, and that are implicitly and explicitly trying to pressure you, pressure you for better or for worse, but becoming aware so that you can rightly identify and find your identity in Christ and live out of your union with him. So those are a couple of resources okay. that I have that I would always encourage people to work through uh, and read, especially if you struggle uh, with shame and feeling shame, or if you're trying to figure out what, how does true justice play out in the public square. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today on our Gen Church Midweek Podcast. Be sure to uh, like and share these videos. And if you haven't followed us uh, wherever you're listening from, be sure to do that and send us a message if you have questions, if you want to share a thought, or even just have a further conversation. We want to make your faith an everyday faith. Thanks for joining us.